Hello, and welcome to my podcast, Sex, Love, and Addiction. This show was created to provide accurate expert information and support for those seeking insight into the painful realities of cheating and infidelity, sex and porn addiction, as well as the relationship between chronic drug abuse and paired sexual behavior, commonly known as chemsex. I'm your host, Dr. Rob Weiss, a licensed therapist, addiction specialist, sexologist, clinical educator, and author of 10 books on intimacy, addiction, sexuality, and relationship health. This podcast is a forum for discussing sex, love, and addiction in frank, fact-based, informative ways. My primary goal is to bring you clear advice, opinions, and feedback from some of the world's most renowned experts in human sexuality, trauma, addiction, mental health, and relationship intimacy. This show is sponsored by Seeking Integrity Treatment Programs, which are also dedicated to providing expert-focused, highly specialized residential treatment for men struggling with sex, porn, and related addictions. You can learn more about Seeking Integrity and my work there at www.seekingintegrity.com. Now let's get started. Hey folks, this is Dr. Rob, and boy am I glad to talk to you today every time I get a chance to introduce new material or start repodcasting after I take a break. I really love getting back into it. And so I've chosen a wonderful friend as a guest. This is Dr. Janice Rosler. She is someone that I have been involved with with school. We both got our doctorate around the same time. We're both very interested in talking about sex and learning more about it. And, you know, first of all, Dr. Janice, would you just tell us a little bit about you? And then we're going to tell them what we're going to talk about. Okay. Um, Hi, everybody. And thank you, Dr. Rob. I appreciate the invite. I've heard such great things about your audience. So I'm so excited to meet everybody. A bit about myself. Okay. Well, I wear a lot of hats, but the hat I'm wearing today is uh, my hat as uh, having a PhD in clinical sexology. I, I do teach um, sex therapists at the International Institute of Clinical Sexology, which is where you and I connected, which is terrific. I also have quite a few other degrees, but that's because I'm a notorious overachiever. Um, but those are not necessary for today's talk. Yeah, I'm a dietitian. I'm a diabetes specialist, yada, yada, yada. But that's okay. We'll start with the sex stuff because that's what we like to talk about, right? That's why we're here. Great. Well, you know, one of the things we talked about and people really appreciate, I think, is is not just a general talk, but when you can say, like, here are some stages or here are some steps. And, you know, I think in, in sex, even when you've had emotional challenges and breakups or, or cheating or whatever, we still think of sex as like the thing that you do when you're in bed that has to do with your bodies <laughs> and your genitals in particular. And that is great when you're 19 or 24. But as life goes on, I think there need to be other ways to be grow intimacy and connection, especially over time. And we've known each other for a while. How do we evolve that, create that? And you've got a, a list. I think it's uh, seven different kind of... Now, let me ask you, are these stages like one after another? Or, or how does that work? Because the seven something... Any order, what feels right, but first, here's the big thing. And I think this is the big challenge for most people. If I were to say to you, are you intimate with your partner? Your mind would go to one topic, probably, which would be the bedroom. Gosh, when's the last time we were intimate? Are we intimate? How often are we intimate? And I'd like to expand that. 
because intimacy is not only sexual. And that's where these seven come in. Because there's actually eight types of of intimacy. One of them is sexual. That takes care of the first one. And then there's others. And you can do them in any order. You can do one a day. You can rotate. You can do two a day. So let's take a look at the seven remaining ones outside of actual physical intimacy. Uh, We have one, which is affection, which is not sexual, a non-sexual type of affection. So that would be saying, I love you. That would be giving a quick hug and a kiss when they walk in the door. It doesn't lead you to the bedroom, but it connects you. It connects you because it's affectionate and it's wonderful. And you can do it while you're walking. You can do it when you're next to each other. It shows you care and you connect. So that's so hold on a second. Yeah. Are you talking about validating someone else like i think you're great and i really care about you or are you talking about reaching over and just grabbing their hand or looking in the eyes there's so many things that come to mind for me when you use the word affection um can you just say briefly a little bit more descriptively about that like concretely what do you mean showing that you care by saying something or by giving a gentle touch that doesn't lead to the bedroom just light kind affection, just, just having that moment. And then you go back to your book. So another quick question about that before we move on, I might be really affectionate with a friend. And so what makes it, you know, I really care about you, give them a hug, you know, you, whatever, validate them. So how is this different than I might be with friend? Okay. It doesn't have to be. And I'll tell you why, because you are building that affectionate connection with your friend. We're talking about building the wealth of friendship, not just sexual partners, but we hope that the person you're involved with is also a friend with whom you have a deep connection with. So you are going to connect on friendship ways, on sexual ways, on intellectual ways. There's all different colors to your relationship. And yes, when you run up to a good friend you haven't seen and you give him a nice hug and say, oh my gosh, it's so good to see you. That's what you can do to your partner because that type of relationship is part of your entire connection. So yes, it's not different. How nice to be loving to everyone in your world. Um, one thing I do with my husband When I pass him in the hall in our house, I stop and give him a kiss and then I move on and he goes on. We have kind of a quick, hi, I see you. See you later. And it's just kind of a love peck. It doesn't go anywhere sexual, but it says, wow, I'm passing you and I'm thinking of you and you're on my good list. And I I think you're great. And you can, it is at the same level of a friend. No problem but you want that in your relationship. The next one would be physical, but not not sexual. And that would be doing physical activities together that are non-sexual, taking walks, going swimming, playing tennis, um, going for a bike ride together, playing ping pong, doing something that where it's action, doesn't have discussion, but you're together and there's movement. And that's another way to connect. You're not talking about back rubs and physical interactions that are 
really physically intimate. You're talking about going out in the world and being home, but being together in the physical world and doing things together. Exactly. But, you know, it's interesting, may I just say to that, that as an addict, I think, oh God, do I really have to do that? And my partner says, and I hear this all the time, let's go for a walk. Let's, you know, play some tennis. Let's, and my first reaction as addict is, oh God, that's not what I feel like doing. So, because, you know, we tend to be a little narcissistic. So I think part of what you're saying is that there has to be a willingness on both parties to say that we are working on this together, whether you like it or not, whether you feel good or not, because the feelings grow from the activity. The feeling may not be there before the activity. Is that kind of right? You're connecting on a variety of different levels. And if you don't want to go for a walk together, don't go for a walk together. We have several other choices. You could say, I'm not in the mood for ping pong because, you know, we want our insides to match our outsides. If that's not what you want to do, don't fake it. You say, hey, that's not for me, but here's what I would like to do. And then you can pick the next one, which is aesthetic, an aesthetic connection. And what that means is that you view something of beauty together. You experience it at the same time. For example, you pour whatever your beverage of choice is and you go outside and you watch the sunset and you do that and you enjoy nature together. Or you can watch, I know my husband and I, we like to watch documentaries where they take you on the different, the mysteries of different museums. It's amazing. You see these works of art and then we turn to each other and we go, whoa, We just experience something of beauty together. You could look at nature. You could look at architecture. Theater, music, like all of that. You can listen to music together. You can say, Mm -hmm. what do you want to listen to? And then you ask Alexa to put on something wonderful. And you sit Or Siri. Or Siri. Or whatever. (laughs) Or Echo. But you're doing it together. And that's the beauty of that. And again... If you don't want that and you prefer to play ping pong, go for it. But you're doing something together on a different level. What is your thing with ping pong? We're going to have to discuss the ping pong issue. You know what? It's on the list. And I I don't think I've played ping pong since I was 15. But hey, maybe it's time to regain it. Okay. Another one is spiritual. Some people like to pray together. They like to meditate together. They like to discuss a spiritual topic, something they read, a poem, whatever, or attend a religious service together. That's a way that some people connect by doing that action at the same time. Another one is intellectual. Maybe there's a good book that you read or an article that you found fascinating from the newspaper and you just want to go, hey, look what I found. Do you want to hear what so-and-so said about such-and-such? And And they go, really? Yeah, sure, tell me. You know, I I want to say something about that because um, I I often, my husband and I are different. We have different interests. We have different folk. We're just very different people in terms of kind of what strikes us about the world and what we like. But I often feel invited into, you know, I really like this, and I would love you to read it with me, or let me send you a text so you can read this article. I want you to understand what had meaning to me 
And I learn about him and our relationship because we looked at the same thing and we have different ways of feeling about it, looking about it. I might have never found that article by myself, but I'm engaged because I want to know more and get closer to the person I love and see what has meaning to them. Exactly. So at least, I don't know if that's what you're talking about, but I understand. Exactly. But it doesn't have to be deep. It could be a funny story. It could be something, anything that you want to share that has to do with using your intellect. Another one is social. That's another way to connect. And that's by having a date night, going out to a restaurant together. Now we can all do that more often. Um, See a movie, double date with friends, but you're actually doing something together. I know couples who never do anything together. So how do they grow together? Well, they they watch TV. They may, if they watch TV, that actually could bond them if they're watching the same show and they're enjoying it together. And then they talk about it. Yeah. And they talk about it. And there are a lot of couples who pick billions or they pick something and they go, Whoa, wait, hurry. Are you home yet? We got to watch. I'm saving this episode for you. Sure. That's a connection. That's, that is a connection. Another one is emotional where you share your feelings about something and feelings get to be tough. And I like to encourage people to use I statements when they tell feelings. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with I statements or your audiences, but I statements is where you're only talking about your own feelings. So let me try this. Yeah. You really upset me. You really made me angry is probably not an I statement, but saying I feel really upset and I'm feeling really angry. Is that what you're talking about? Yes. If you, if the sentence starts with the word you, you're beginning a you statement. And how do you feel with you? It's, there's a lot of blaming. Uh, you have to stop putting your shoes by the door versus when I come home and I see shoes by the door, I feel nervous. I like to come in and have a peaceful room that's in order. How about I get a nice basket and uh, we can put our things in them. You're not blaming. You're not saying, look what you did. You're just sharing your feelings. And the thing about feelings, feelings are never wrong. If you told me, Dr. Rob, if you said today, gosh, I'm just, I'm feeling down today. I can't say to you, no, you're not. You're not. Your feelings are your feelings and they're always correct because they're yours. I can't contradict them. If you say, oh my gosh, I feel like I want to cry. No, you don't. I mean, that's just what? So, yeah. Well, what I'm hearing is that you separates. You pushes us apart. Whereas I is an invitation to join me. I think that's what you're kind of saying. And Uh that's where the connection is. I feel good. I do. Oh my gosh, I'm thinking of a whole nother thing to do for another episode if you invite me back. Okay. You're going to come back a lot because I <laughs> love talking to you and you know that. Oh, you're so sweet. And, I, and ditto, ditto. As we say. Okay. We just shared affection, by the way. Yes, you did. Okay. You good. did just share an affection and you are not my partner and it's okay because that's a level of affection that we can share with anyone we care about. And then we have the sexual and the sexual people know about. That's the touching and the showering together and the sexual intercourse and outercourse and playing in bed and 
wherever else in the house, sharing a bubble bath. Okay, that is a way to connect. That is a level of intimacy, but it's not the only one. And the thing is, if your sex life is something that you would like to grow, it isn't where you want it to be. These other areas can help you get there by developing your friendship, by developing your bonding. And here's the interesting thing. I don't always like to separate male, female and all that, but there are different ways to perceiving sexuality. And those of us on the females who identify as females, we tend to need the relationship to be stronger in order to feel safe in order to feel that we're ready to connect. Whereas those of us who identify as males, we are ready to go. The turn on is there and the connection. It's nice that it's there, not required. But for those of us who feel very female, it's usually required. And the way to build that relationship is with all those lovely, lovely types of intimacy. I was thinking as you're talking about that, about so many couples, especially who are listening to this, who don't trust each other, you know, who really feel like if we have sex, how could we possibly have sex when I'm so angry at you or I hurt so much, or I don't trust that you're not going to go out and do X, Y, Z in the world. It seems to me that some of these things could be a way to build trust and feel like I can rely on you and feel safe with you and might lead towards something more sexual because I'm beginning to evolve an emotional trust with you, a creative trust with you, a physical trust with you. I would imagine what you're saying can lead people back to the sex if that's what they want. Absolutely. Or tell them I don't feel good about having sex because I don't like the way that went between us. Well, that would be, that would be sharing feelings, which is, as you said, a way to connect by being open and honest about your feelings. That is intimacy also. You know, it's interesting. As I said, I'm a marriage and family therapist also. So I deal with all different family issues in all different ages. And I had a young person who's going off to college who said, I'm terrified. I don't know how to make friends. And guess what? I did a lot from this list because this is how you make friends. You make friends by inviting them to do things with you. You make friends by stopping and saying, oh, thanks for the books. I'm so glad you got them for me. I really appreciate you did that. Or you pick a stimulating topic and you have an agreement about it. You have a disagreement about it. You really get into the intensity of whatever that is. Hey there. I sure hope you're enjoying this Sex, Love, and Addiction podcast. Before we continue, I'd like to remind you that if you or someone you know or love needs treatment for sex addiction, porn addiction, or co-occurring drug problems, Seeking Integrity can help. For more information, please visit our website at www.seekingintegrity.com. That's seekingintegrity.com. Or call us at 747-234-4325. So wait a minute, by the way, what you're saying is in the world that we live in, that people who have differences, whether they're political, for example, or different kinds of differences, they can come together in a passionate way without disagreement. Because the goal is not to agree or disagree. The goal is to connect. Exactly. It is to connect. Now, if you, that said, I'm going to throw in a caveat. If you know that a certain topic is a trigger, It could be political. It could be anything. 
if you want to make friends with someone, you don't talk about those topics. If, if you know that you really would like to be friends with someone that, at your gym and you know that your religious differences are huge, you don't talk about religion. You talk about things where you can connect. And that's the same with your partner and rebuilding and reconnecting. If you know that politically you are on totally different sides and if you start to talk, you will get into a massive fight. Don't take that topic. So wait, this is Thanksgiving dinner. This is we're going to come together. And there's a couple of things as a family we're just not going to talk about because it means they're going to throw a turkey at you, right? So we want to be close, but we don't want to create the kind of conflict that separates us. Exactly. And you know what? There's something intimate about respecting that kind of space. I know that if I talk about a certain topic that my husband is very engaged in and I disagree with it, there's a potential of him feeling hurt. So I respect that. I honor that. And we don't discuss it. Let him discuss it with his friends. Let him discuss it with whoever else shares that opinion. We just kind of, you know, white flag and that's not our, you know, I have a kind of a peace. We don't talk about it. And that's a form of intimacy, which is respecting that that takes you down a difficult road and we both don't want to go down there. So we talk about something else. We talk about things that we do enjoy, that we do love together. I thought we have to talk about every single thing on earth if we're a couple together and not miss anything at all. But I don't think what you're saying is that's true. I don't think so. I've been married. Do you know how long I've been married? Uh, you know, you look, you're such a young thinker and passionate person. I can imagine, <laughs> you know, at 23, you can't be married more than five years. By the way, this Thank is you. me being flirtatious. If you haven't heard me flirt before, <laughs> that's it. Thank you. Um, how long have you been married, Dr. Janice? In June, Dr. Janice will be married 40 years, 4-0. Oh God. And we still have the hots for each other. We're still crazy about each other. We still love each other. We still have great sex. And I love being with him. And we just love staying together. And we do have things we do not talk about. But isn't that, I mean, a lot of people will say that that's random, that you happen to meet the right person and it was really a click. And then it's just, you know, yeah. there's such an emotional connection from day one that that carries you all the way through, you know, your, and, and if you meet the wrong person, then it's not going to work out over time. You're saying something different. Totally different. You know, it's funny. Your, your audience can't see, but I actually have a, um, I use this in therapy. It is, everybody who's listening can imagine. This is a Harry Potter magic wand. And My husband has see- one. I know what they look like. <laughs> <laughs> and when, does, but does his work? Mine works. No, the thing is, when I start hearing people having this kind of magical thinking, I say, here, take the wand, because I've never heard of anyone who has powers like you do. No, our relationship is not magic. Our relationship has been through ups and downs. We've had, I would say, good years, less than good years, but we've worked. It, It takes a lot of work. It takes time. It takes commitment. It takes investment. It takes learning about each other and doing things together. And, uh, and giving each other space. There's stuff I do. After this interview, I'm going off to play. I play in an orchestra. I play viola. 
And I, I've got to rehearse. What a don't you do, Dr. Chen? Yeah, right. My, right. God. My husband doesn't play a musical instrument. We don't share this. And I'm not even sure if he's coming to my concert. He's been to a lot of them. And I won't be hurt if he doesn't come because he's been to so many. That's my thing. And he goes and he plays golf and he plays pickleball. I'm not retired. He's retired. I have no interest in playing golf or pickleball. So but ping we will pong. not share Ping pong, maybe. Yeah, right. I'll come to your house, play ping pong. The thing is, we don't share that. He does it with other people. And actually, that's a good thing. Because when I come home from doing something different, I have something interesting to talk about. And when he comes home from golf, and he tells me about his experience, because he'll walk in, I always give him a kiss, hello. And I say, how was your game? And he said it was terrible. I had to cheat. And then I say, well, tell me about how'd you cheat? So we share it, but we don't share it in that he's never getting me to go play golf. That's not happening. So we're different and we get it and we respect that. I actually had a question going back and I'm going to ask you to go through the seven or eight again, just, I mean, very briefly so everyone hears it because, you know, they may want to replay the podcast, but And let me just say to you guys, the reason that I want to have this conversation with Dr. Janice, I really want you to hear this, is not everybody, especially when you've got the addictive and the lying and the cheating, and people do want to reconnect, but they don't know how to get there. You know, they don't know, I'm not ready to have sex with you. You hurt me, you let me down, but I do want to begin to experiment with how we might reconnect. And I've got to do it slowly, but I'm not sure what that is. What are the stages to get from? we're a little mistrusting, we're not, or I'm very mistrusting to, I think we can move forward and actually be sexual. And you're saying that all of these pieces build my trust and my ability to feel supported, heard, and connected, which might bring me to the point where I might want to be sexual over time that, because it's built on all of this. Right, exactly. So I'll go through them again. We have the wait, 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 I have another oh, question for you before you questions. do that. Go ahead. There, because there's something you didn't mention, and I want to ask you. When you talked about sexuality, you didn't really talk about the difference, and I didn't hear this between sensuality and sexuality. In other words, I heard you lump together. Oh, you take a shower together, you take a bath together, and you have sex together. And it didn't sound like because I think this is a stage where I'm combing your hair, where I'm rubbing your feet where we're having a sensual experience, but we don't turn it into sex. And I wonder where that falls in this, in, in this uh, continuum. It does fall into the sexual piece because there's a lot of trust when that happens. If you are going to have a back rub, and it's going to be a back rub that has the potential to turn you on, but you've decided that you don't, that's all you want is the back rub, That's the experience you want to have. You want the back rub and the combing of the hair, and that's it. You have to have a level of trust that you will both respect that that's the boundary and you're not going further. If you both say, we're only going to do back rubs that feel really good. Go outside and do them. (laughs) Go to the park. Well, some people have sex outside too, but the thing is, if you're going to say, Let's do something sensual. Let's just give each other massages. Let's just brush each other's hair. Let's just soap each other up in the shower, but we don't want to have intercourse. We don't want to have anything where anything enters any orifice. You still need to trust 
that that agreement will be respected. When both of you get turned on and one of you may say, well, that with that agreement, I'm sorry, I'm too turned on. Let's go. I'm going to you know, throw you on the bed anyway. Then the trust is broken. You've got to really trust each other and say, because that is a sexual action. It's an actual that creates a turn on. So within all of this, in treatment, yeah. it's not unusual for a man who's seeking integrity to say or realize, oh my God, I've pressured my spouse for sex. I didn't realize that I didn't feel loved unless they would have sex with me, or I didn't feel, and that was my absolute, you know, we got to do this in order to support me emotionally, or, you know, that's how they looked at it. And I've heard, you know, from the spouses, I say, I, I feel pressured. I feel like that's all I'm worth. I go along with it because I feel like that'll make, you know, him or her feel better or, but at a certain point, I want to have sex twice a week and they want to have sex every day. And I don't try, you know, all of that stuff. Right. It pushes people away from each other rather than toward each other, especially when they're just accommodating the other person. Exactly. There's no intimacy at that piece because you're, your mind is elsewhere. You're not connecting with them. You're just waiting till it's over. You're disconnecting. <laughs> it's sad. And it's not uh, what you want it to be. Let me ask you one more thing before we go to the other seven. And then I know you've got to play, go play, play, go play. Go <laughs> I have play. to. Yes, I'm going Literally to orchestra play. to play, play ping pong at orchestra. Exactly. So let me ask you this, because I've heard yeah. you talk about it. I've heard you talk about the value of couples not being sexual for a period of time, taking 10 days out or, or, and making a deliberate decision. And I guess, you know, it's hard for me to understand on some level, I'm sure for the people listening, how do you get to sex by not having sex? You know, how do you get closer if the goal isn't, or you can't, or why would you take a time out? Uh, if you're not angry, if you're not upset, if you know, what, what is that about? Okay. Let's just look at this one premise. We want what we can't have. If you look at a chalk at a beautiful store with Godiva chocolate and you're on a diet, you're going to stare at that and you're going to think about it and you're going to want it. That's all about wanting what you can't have. If you are able to eat chocolate whenever you want to, you might walk past the Godiva chocolate store and say, boy, those boxes are really pretty. Maybe I'll come back and buy something. But if you've said to yourself, no chocolate this month, I, I signed off staying away from it, you are going to want that chocolate. You're going to look at it and you're going to think about it and you're going to want it. And so that's where that whole premise comes from is we want what we cannot have. And that's when people start yearning for something. If you think, you know, it goes back to that whole phrase, absence makes the heart grow fonder. When you, when your loved one is away, you tend to miss them, want them. The bed is cold. It's empty. Where are they? I really want you to come home from your trip or wherever you had to be. We want what we aren't able to have. And so that's actually what I did my PhD dissertation on. I took this premise and I had couples agree on 12 days when they weren't allowed to have sex. And the most interesting things happened. First of all, they started doing those other forms of intimacy that I mentioned. They were allowed to do that. And they started enjoying them and loving them because they knew they couldn't have sex and they were yearning for connection. Also, some interesting things happened. One couple 
This wife told me for the very first time in her entire 30 years of marriage, she had a sexual dream about her husband. She had never had that because she knew she couldn't. So her mind said, I really want it. She said, wow, I started thinking about it. And uh, other couples who participated found that they really yearned for it because it, it wasn't allowed. That was the key. And when you agree, when you pick a time and say, we're going to agree, and I had them put it in writing because you don't want anyone to change the rules if they say, well, 10 days is enough. Nope, you agree to the 12 days. At the end of the 12 days, they had a little bit of a ceremony to end it. And then it was up to them and they could be sexual or do something together. Whatever they wanted to do, the door was open again. And the couple said it was the best sex they ever had. They had a great time. They loved it and uh, got a lot out of the experiment. So I have two more. I mean, I know that you have to go play uh, in your orchestra, but let me ask a couple of things. First of all, what you said, if I, as an addict, disturbs me, because as an addict, there are all kinds of things I can't have that I really want. And the more I can't have sex with 50 strangers, on some of them, the more I yearn for it, even though uh, what I know I need to do is get filled up in other ways and other relationships with other support and all that. I yearn for what I can't have. And if you tell me I can't have cocaine, I'm, I feel like from what you're saying, I'm going to be thinking about it all the time. So how do you differentiate between something that you yearn for that you really shouldn't be want? Well, you can want it. You really can't engage and have versus yearning for something that is right out of reach and you're going to have it and it's okay. The difference is what the value you assign to that action. The two of you have said sex is fine, but we want to abstain from it. So we will want each other more. It's a good thing. It's something we do wish to have. Now, you're talking about behaviors that you want to cease, that you want to stop. That's a very different relationship. I'm talking about something that you want, and you're making it even better. It's almost like saying, I can have my ice cream sundae at lunch, or I can wait till after dinner, and it's fine. You could have it that day. If you say, I could have it now, but I'm going to put it off until I'm sitting in a chair, dinner's over, and I'm relaxing. You may start thinking about that ice cream throughout the day, about how yummy it's going to be and the chocolate sauce and all that. You yearn for it, but you've given yourself permission because you've decided that that's a good thing and it's approved of and it's fine. You're just making it a lot more fun by, by holding off. That's the difference. And I would say the addicts who are listening, that you may not know whether what you want is healthy or isn't healthy, but that's why we have other people in 12-step programs, therapists, to say, you know, I find myself yearning for this. Is this a good idea or is this a bad idea? It feels like it'll be a good idea. So addicts rely on other people to help them make decisions that sound good that they yearn for, but really aren't healthy. And they can take a look at that. So we, as addicts, we don't make decisions like that by ourselves. Let's quickly go over the the seven things because I, um, before you run off and so the seven. Okay. The seven, we start out with affection. That's not sexual. That's saying, I love you. That's a quick kiss, kiss in the hall. That's uh, just, you know, so glad we're together. Quick hug. 
the only intent is just to connect, not to move to a different level. Okay. Physical, but not sexual, is going for a walk together, playing tennis, uh, swimming, bike riding, doing an activity together. Aesthetic is enjoying music together, enjoying something beautiful, looking at something in nature that's lovely like a sunset. You're actually enjoying a thing of beauty together. Spiritual is praying or meditating together to, or discussing something spiritual together. Intellectual is sharing something interesting that you've read, heard, learned, something with your mind. Social is actually going out together to a movie, to a restaurant, double dating with friends, getting together with people. Emotional is sharing your feelings, and that will be using those I statements we discussed, which is sharing your feelings and not attacking anyone, just opening it up and say, here's how I feel. And then the eighth one that we add on is the actual one, which is anything that leads to sexual turn on. And that's the sexual one, which is a form of intimacy, but it's a different choice. And you're saying there's no order, there's no right order or wrong order to do this in. No right or wrong, whatever you're both in the mood for, you can do one of them several times in one week. You can do uh, a few a day. You can do one a day. You can alternate. You can say, you pick one one day, I'll pick one the next day. However you want to do it, but there are ways to connect. And for a spouse who feels mistrusting, they can take one piece and say, well, this is something I can experiment with. It doesn't, it's not sexual, but it is a way to see if we can build something, how we do relate to each other. It can be a new beginning. You use the word rebooting. And I think these are the steps, like you said, to reboot a relationship. So Dr. Janice, um, let me ask you this. If people want to get a hold of you, if they want to reach out to you, if they want to learn from you, like you need something else on your list, how would they learn more about what you're talking about? How would they connect you? How would they see you for therapy? Um, okay. Well, actually I don't see a lot of clients for therapy so that I'm not really broadcasting, but I do have a website and, uh, my website is dear Janice, D E A R J A N I S.com. And that's how they can email me, reach out to me and connect that way. Well, you guys know Dr. Janice Rouser is a fount of wisdom. <laughs> is it a fountain? A fount? I don't know. you got a lot of smarts. Uh, and it's, your passion, your compassion is something I'd really like to invite back. And yes, I would really love it if we'd come back and it would not wait too long. Love to come back. Thank you. And I'll bring my viola. How's that? And my ping pong. Yeah, go take your viola. Yeah. And, you know, tighten up the strings and tune the thing up and go ha- and go ha- do this wonderful thing. I mean, orchestra is joining with other people in a shared communal. I mean, it's a wonderful thing. I used to sing choir. Loved it. Uh, so, it's an aesthetic connection. Exactly. It is. So blessings to you. Love you. Please come back. And thank you, Dr. Janice Rosler, for joining us today. Guys, there'll be more wonderful stuff coming. And thanks for joining us on Sex, Love, and Addiction. Hi, this is Dr. Rob again. Thank you for joining us today. If this show has inspired you to seek further information for yourself or someone you love, I encourage you to visit our treatment center website, which is www.seekingintegrity.com. There you'll find some useful information about the residential treatment we provide, which I think is some of the best, most useful, short-term, effective, intensive care you can find for sexual addiction and compulsivity, as well as combined drug sex or chem sex problems. 
On SeekingIntegrity.com, you can find some useful advice and direction for healing. And don't forget, if you want to write me about this podcast or reach any of my guests, please write me at Rob at SeekingIntegrity.com. I really look forward to our next time together. Take good care.